I want to thank you for all the words of encouragement, all the love, all the hospitality. Uh, this meeting has been a blessing to me. It's been a blessing to my family. It's always a wonderful time to come and be here. And uh, very thankful again for the opportunity to do this gospel meeting. As we bring it to a close, you know, several have, have asked me today, are, are you excited to get back home? And uh, yeah, I'll be excited to go back and, and be with my family again. But you know, um, when I come to Plainview, y'all make me feel at home. And so I appreciate that very, very much. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you for all the acts of kindness, love, and encouragement that you've shown over the last couple of weeks. Thank you for your hard work. As Brother Hugh prayed, we've planted a lot of seed. Let's continue to water those seeds and give God the glory for whatever increase comes from our labor in the kingdom. Tonight as we close this uh, gospel meeting, I want to talk to you about the house of Stephanus and their addiction. If you would be turning in first, to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 15, that'll be the first scripture we're going to read, 1 Corinthians 16, 15. But as you're turning there, I want to ask you a question. What immediately comes to your mind when you hear this word addiction? Maybe drugs. Maybe alcohol. Maybe gambling. The words we use in our language carry certain meanings that we assign to them, and you know, we've assigned a very negative connotation to this word addiction. When we hear the word addiction, it doesn't conjure up warm and fuzzy feelings in our heart. Maybe you've had an addiction in your life. Maybe you've got a family member, a friend who's struggled with addiction, and you know how devastating and destructive it can be. You know, the Bible talks about a man who had an addiction. His name was Stephanus, and Stephanus lived in the first century in the land of Corinth. We're going to read a little bit about him in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 15. He says, the Bible says, I beseech you, brethren, ye know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Now, Stephanus lived in the city of Corinth, and Corinth was a wealthy port city right there on the Mediterranean Sea, okay? Uh, Corinth was the commercial capital of all of southern Greece during the first century. And along with a lot of the wealth and prosperity that came from being a wealthy port city, there came also a lot of different forms of idolatry and immorality and wickedness. You read the letter of 1 Corinthians, you understand some of the wickedness that was going on in Corinth and that the church was having a struggle with as well, that, they were trying, that Paul was trying to help keep that wickedness out of the church. So if we could time travel back to Corinth in the first century, we'd probably find people with a lot of different addictions. But you know, there was this man and his family, the house of Stephanus there in Corinth, and they had addicted themselves... Not to that which is evil and sinful and ungodly. The Bible says they had addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. According to the Bible, an addiction doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing to have. It just depends on what you've addicted yourself to. 
We can addict ourselves to sinful and dangerous and destructive things. We can also addict ourselves to good, godly, and righteous things like the family of Stephanus. I think Paul alludes to this somewhat in Galatians 4 and 18. When he tells the Galatians, it is good to be zealously affected, and that word means to be devoted, maybe even to the point of being addicted to something. It is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing. Wouldn't it be good for each and every one of us to be like Stephanus, to be addicted to the ministry of the saints? That would be a good addiction for each and every one of us to have. I'm going to talk a little bit about Stephanus. We're going to talk a little bit tonight about being addicted to the ministry of the saints. First question we want to consider and answer is, what is the ministry of the saints? We've read from the Bible that Stephanus was addicted to it, but really, what is it? What is the ministry of the saints? The second question, what does the ministry of the saints include? We'll go to the Bible to get an answer to that question. And then this third and final question tonight is a very personal question. Very pointed question. When we get to the end, I want all of us to examine ourselves, examine our lives, and look within to see what degree that we are addicted to the ministry of the saints. Let's start with that first question. What is the ministry of the saints? Uh, the word ministry and the word saint, uh, I'm afraid many times are misunderstood. Okay? got a lot of different people that use the word ministry or use the word saint, and it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But what we want to do is we want to let the Bible define what these words mean, okay? In the ideas of a lot of people, the word ministry uh, means something that we do. Many times uh, a lot of churches have different ministries today. Uh, I, I hear about a lot of different interesting ministries uh, softball ministries, motorcycle ministries, skateboard ministries. And I'm afraid what a lot of churches have got in the habit of doing today is picking entertainment and trying to stamp God on it in some form or fashion and calling it ministry. What I would have you to know that there's nothing wrong with entertainment. There's nothing wrong with Christians being entertained and doing, doing fun things. But let's not confuse ministry with entertainment, Okay. The word ministry simply means service, service to others. And that's different than serving ourselves with entertainment, okay? Ministry means service. The Bible teaches us this in Matthew chapter 20, verse 25. Matthew 20, 25, But Jesus called them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority Upon them. What's he talking about? He's talking about the hierarchy of earthly kingdoms, right? We understand this today. We have a local government. We have a state government. We have a federal government. Verse 26, Jesus says, But it shall not be so among you. Jesus says, Whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. Whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Did you notice there in verse 26, he says, If you want to be great in the kingdom, be a servant. If you want to be chief, 
be a servant. He uses the Bible, the King James Version uses the word minister in verse 26 and servant in verse 27 interchangeably. If you're reading from the New King James Version, I believe you won't even find the word minister here. I believe the word you will find throughout is the word servant because that's what a minister really is, a servant. And I'm here to tell you tonight that each and every one of us needs to be ministers. We all need to be servants in the kingdom of Christ. Jesus is our Lord. He is our master. We need to be his humble servants. We should all be ministers in the kingdom of Christ, and each and every one of them, each and every one of us should be involved in the ministry because the ministry is simply our service to Christ in his kingdom. That's what the word ministry means. And you know, Jesus is our perfect example. And the Bible says here that he came not to be ministered unto. He didn't come to earth to be served. But he came to minister, he came to serve, and then give his life a ransom for many. So let's not confuse entertainment with ministry, with service. Let's follow the example of Jesus. Let's make sure if we call something ministry... It's not serving ourselves with entertainment, it's actually serving others. That's what the word ministry truly means, service. What about the word saint? The word saint is a word uh, that the meaning of it has sort of been changed over long periods of time. Uh, I believe it was the Roman Catholic Church that was the first to take the word saint and to apply it to the holiest of the holy of people in the church, men like the apostles. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John became St. Matthew, St. Mark, St. Luke, St. John. Paul became St. Paul. You know, along with about, I believe, 3,000 other men and women over the last 2,000 years, the Roman Catholic Church has given them the designated title of saint. Why? Because they say, in their opinion, that these people are the holiest of the holy. But you know, when we go to the Bible to let the Bible define the word saint for us, we get a much different definition. When Paul wrote a letter to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 1 and 2, he says this letter, this epistle, is unto the church of God which is at Corinth to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints. He wrote this letter to all the Christians in Corinth, to all them that were sanctified in Christ, and notice he calls them all saints. He calls them all saints. The word saint in Scripture simply refers to the saved. Those who have been saved from their sins and set apart from the world and, and translated over into the kingdom of Christ. The word saint just simply refers to the saved. Paul wrote a letter to the church at Ephesus, Ephesians. Chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus. Was he writing this letter just to the holy of the holy there in Ephesus? No. He was writing this letter to all the Christians in Ephesus, to all those who'd been saved by the blood of Christ. He calls them all saints. You look at the letter that he wrote to the church at Colossae, Colossians, he does the same thing. Calls them all saints. The letter that he uh, wrote to the church at Philippi, Philippians, he calls them all saints. The word saint is not a title reserved for the holiest of the holy. I'm here to tell you tonight, if you've been saved by the blood of Christ, you are a saint. You're just as much of a saint as Peter, James, and John were. Because the word saint simply refers to God's saved and called out people. 
So the word ministry means service. The word saint means the saved. The ministry of the saints is the service of the saved. It's our daily service that we offer up to God as members of the body of Christ and as servants in His kingdom. It's the things that our Lord and our Master Jesus would have us to be about in the daily walk of our Christian life. That's the ministry of the saints. What kind of things would the ministry of the saints include? I think it would include a lot of things. We're going to talk just about a few of them tonight. Spreading the gospel is part of the ministry of the saints. And we've been involved in, in the work of trying to get the gospel out uh, in this community over the last two weeks. And that's good because that's part of the ministry of the saints. In Romans 10, 13, the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It says, How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Listen, we... We need more men to step up and take responsibility and be more involved in helping spread the gospel. But at the same time, we realize that not every brother in the church is going to have the talent or the ability or maybe even the desire to go forth and preach the gospel like maybe an evangelist does. And that's okay. Not every brother's cut out to be a gospel preacher, and that's okay. Because I want you to notice here, it takes both those men who are willing to go and preach and those who send them to effectively spread the gospel. It's a team effort. It takes individuals who have the talent, ability, and, de and desire to go preach and those who support and send them to do the preaching to get the gospel to the world. And this is something that this congregation has been involved in for many, many years supporting men to go out and supporting men in faraway places to preach the gospel so people can hear it, believe it, call on the name of the Lord, and be saved. I commend you for your commitment to evangelism. It's part of the ministry of the saints. Continue in this great work. Continue to help spread the gospel, realizing it's part of the ministry of the saints. Helping those who were poor and needy, that's part of the ministry of the saints. You know, from time to time, we have brothers, we have sisters, we have people in the community who suffer all different kinds of needs. Maybe it's a fire, a flood, maybe it's a medical emergency, maybe it's unemployment, uh, what, whatever it is. Maybe they need help getting food in their pantry. Maybe they need help with a little bit of gas in their car. Maybe they need help paying a utility bill. Maybe their house burnt down and they need help rebuilding. Whatever the need that our brothers and sisters or people in the community might have, those needs are our opportunities to take part in the ministry of the saints to help those who are poor and needy. Romans 15.25, Paul says, But now I go into Jerusalem... To minister unto the saints. For it hath been pleased of them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. Now I want you to make a mental connection between this passage in Romans 15 and the passage that we so often read about concerning the collection 
in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, because I believe both these passages, Romans 15 and 1 Corinthians 16, are talking about the same thing. Paul's saying here that I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to take those funds that were collected in Macedonia and Achaia, that's where Corinth was in fact, and I'm going to take them to those poor and needy saints which were at Jerusalem. Where did this gift come from that Paul was taking to Jerusalem? Well, one of the places it came from was Corinth. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I've given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye upon the first day of the week. Let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. He says, And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality, the word liberality simply means gift, them will I send to bring your liberality unto where? Unto Jerusalem, just like we read back in Romans chapter 15. Helping those who are poor, helping those who are needy, this is part of the ministry of the saints. And you know, the churches in Macedonia and Achaia, which would have included Corinth, they help play a part in the ministry of the saints by helping the poor saints at Jerusalem. Paul helped play a part by taking those funds and carrying them to where they needed to be uh, di uh, dispersed there in Jerusalem. Again, we see a team effort. Helping the poor is a team effort. And anytime we're involved in that, whatever role we play, we're, we're taking part in the ministry of the saints. Supporting the church. Being an active and involved member of the local congregation. I would tell you tonight, that's also part of the ministry of the saints. In Ephesians 4, verse 15 and 16, I'll, I'll read it from the New King James Version. It talks about how we may grow up in all things into Him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, this is the church, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Church is like a body, like our physical body, all of these different parts joined and knit together and working together and cooperating. And when every part of the body is functioning properly, the body is strong. It's the same way with the body of Christ, the church. It's the same way with this congregation. We all have a part to play. We're very thankful for all the men who take part in the service, leading prayers, leading songs. Thankful for the teachers of this congregation. Thankful for the service the deacons provide, the leadership the elders provide. And, and maybe you're not a song leader. Maybe you're not uh, uh, one who's comfortable to word prayer or you don't serve as a deacon or an elder. You know, that doesn't mean there's not a place for you. Being here, your presence here encourages the people around you. And greeting one another uh, with a smile, with a handshake, with a hug. You know, catching people as they come in and out of this building and, and letting them know you love them and you care about them. That's just as important as all the other things that other brethren might do in the assembly. And I'll tell you something else. You know, the ladies work behind the scene in many congregations, and I know they do here, doing a lot of things that really help the church and and really bring people together uh, back home. I know the ladies in, in my home congregation, they're really good at hosting fellowship dinners. We enjoyed fellowship dinner tonight. Y'all got no problem in the area of, of uh, having good fellowship and having good food. But you know, who was responsible 
for a lot of what we enjoyed this afternoon and uh, by having a fellowship dinner. You know, it was the ladies who cooked and prepared that food, and they put a lot of work into that. And that's just one example of many things that a Christian sister can do within a congregation to help make it strong, to help those who are in need, visiting the sick. There are many, many things that all of us can do to support the local congregation. Young people, young people, there's things that you can be doing to strengthen the body of Christ as well. Let's all play our part. And listen, if you're sitting here tonight and you don't know what your part is, we'll talk to these elders. Sit down with them. Say, hey, I want to help more. I, I want to be more involved. They'll find something for you to do to be more involved, to take part more and more in the ministry of the saints. Visiting those who are sick, that's part of the ministry of the saints. You know, Jesus spent a majority of his time with people who were sick and diseased and bedridden. He spent lots of time with people who suffered with illness. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Jesus spent a lot of time with those who were sick and those who were suffering. And listen, you might not possess the same miraculous power that Jesus had to just heal the sick. In fact, I don't believe any man has possessed that miraculous gift since the, since the days of the apostles in the first century church. I can't go to the, hotel, or the, uh, the hospital room and, and heal them like Jesus could. But there's one thing I can do and there's one thing each and every one of us can do. We can go and visit the sick during their time of need we can go and be there by their bedside. can see that their needs are all being met. can give them a word of encouragement. We can tell them that we love them. See if there's something we can do to help them out. Read scripture to them. Pray with them. All it takes really is a, just a few minutes out of our busy schedule to take time to go and visit someone who is sick or who is shut in. And listen, if... If you've never taken the time to do that, I challenge you. Make time to go visit someone who's sick and shut in. You'll make all the difference in the world for that person. You really will. Not only will you be a blessing to that person, I believe you'll receive a blessing for taking part in the ministry of the saints. Comforting those who are brokenhearted. We have brothers and we have sisters who are passing on to glory each and every year. And that leaves behind a wife that no longer has her husband. Maybe a mother who no longer has a son or a daughter. Families are left behind with broken hearts each and every time they lose a loved one. And we've all been there, haven't we? We know the feeling. And as much as we might like to bring their loved ones back, we can't. But there's one thing that we can do, and all of us can do it. We can go and visit those who have lost loved ones and give them a shoulder to cry on. And you know what the Bible calls that? The Bible calls that pure religion. 
pure religion. James 1.27, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. Look, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Do you want your religion to be pure and undefiled in the sight of God? You go visit someone who's lost a loved one. I want to make a confession to you. I used to be scared to death to go and be with people or speak with people who had lost loved ones. I was always afraid that I wouldn't have the right words to tell them. I tell you what, I eventually learned there are no right words. There are no magic words that will make the heartache go away. But you know, you just being there, your presence makes all the difference in the world. And if they need a shoulder to cry on, if they need someone to talk to, you're there. That's pure religion. If you've never taken time to go visit those who've lost loved ones, I challenge you to do it. You know why the Bible calls this pure religion? Because we're going to serve and visit those who have absolutely nothing to give us in return. In the days of the first century, for a person to become fatherless or for a, a, a woman to become a widow, you know, many times that resulted in poverty. Because the man, the leader of the family, was no longer there to provide for his wife and his children. Many times the result was just poverty. But the Bible taught those Christians then, and it teaches us now, to go visit them. Go visit those who have absolutely nothing to give you in return. That's what makes it pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God. So take time to go visit those who've lost loved ones. You'll be a great blessing to them, and you'll be blessed in return, I believe, by God for taking part in the ministry of the saints. This evening we've defined the phrase ministry of the saints as the service of the saved, our daily service to Christ and His kingdom. We've talked about some of the things that would be involved in the ministry of the saints, spreading the gospel, helping those who are poor and needy, visiting the sick, supporting the church, visiting those and comforting those who are brokenhearted. This is the point in this lesson where I want you to stop, I want you to think about all these things, and I want you to ask yourself the question, are you addicted to the ministry of the saints? Is your family addicted to the ministry of the saints? You know, Stephanus and his family, the Bible tells us they were addicted to the ministry of the saints. And I want you to stop and think about that. Stephanus was probably, as best as I can tell, just a common Christian man there in the church at Corinth, trying to do the best that he could with his family to serve God. He wasn't an apostle. Nowhere do we read that he was a great prophet or a great preacher. He was just a guy in the church there at Corinth trying to lead his family in the right pathway and serve the Lord. But listen, because of Stephanus's righteous addiction, his name will be remembered forever in the pages of God's holy word. 
As long as time stands and you can put your hand on a Bible, you can always turn to 1 Corinthians 16, verse 15, and you'll always be able to read the name of Stephanus, just a common guy in the first century church trying to serve the Lord. Isn't that amazing? We're still talking about him almost 2,000 years later. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be remembered forever for your service to Christ and His kingdom like Stephanus is? Wouldn't that be wonderful? I'm here to tell you tonight, you can and you will be remembered forever if you'll addict yourself to the ministry of the saints. And I can tell you that with all confidence because of what the Bible tells us in Hebrews 6 and 10. Listen, brothers and sisters, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward His name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. God sees everything we do to His honor and glory every day. He sees it. He takes note of it. He keeps record of it. He will not forget it. The Bible says He will reward you accordingly someday. He's not unrighteous to forget our service to Him in the kingdom. It'll be remembered forever and rewarded on that day of judgment. That's a wonderful, wonderful thought. Now, Maybe you're here tonight, and you say, Well, Brother James, I, I know all these things are important. I know the Lord would have me to be doing all of these things we've talked about. But, Brother James, you know, I'm just pretty happy with my level of service right here. This is my level of service, and I, and I do a lot for the Lord, and I do a lot in the church, and, you know, I do a lot more than Brother so-and-so and Sister so-and-so. We tend to do that, compare ourselves to others around us, and, and we get pretty comfortable and, and happy with our level of service being right here. And, and maybe you're thinking in your heart, well, I think, I think I'm doing all right right here. I don't feel compelled or, or feel the desire to, to maybe do more tomorrow than I did today. But I want you to think about that mentality that we slip into if we're not careful. The person who's addicted to alcohol, can they ever get enough of the bottle? No. That addiction is never satisfied. They always want more and more and more. Can a person who's addicted to drugs, can they ever get enough drugs? No. They always want more and more and more. Their addiction is never satisfied. A person who's addicted to gambling, can, can they ever get enough of the casino? No, they just keep going back for more and more and more. That addiction is never satisfied. And listen, when we addict ourselves to the ministry of the saints, when we have that level of desire and commitment, we will always want or have a desire to do more tomorrow than we did today. That's the level of devotion I'm trying to inspire in each and every one of your hearts because I believe that's the level of devotion that Stephanus had. The attitude that, listen... I'm never satisfied. I always want to do more and more and more for the Lord. I want to do all I can for the Lord. That would be a wonderful attitude for each and every one of us to adopt tonight going forward from this day. I want to close tonight by reading from Matthew chapter 25. You may turn in your Bible to Matthew 25. We're going to read verses 31 to 46. 
This is the parable of the sheep and the goats. Y'all know this teaching of Christ. You've heard it many times, but I want you to hear it one more time tonight in light of all of the things that we've studied. I want you to listen closely to this. Matthew 25, 31. Jesus says, When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And He shall set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was in hunger, and ye gave me meat. I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hunger, and fed thee? Or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in? Or naked, and clothed thee? When saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto, me, unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say also to them on the left hand, Depart from me. Ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungered, or thirst, or stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee, and didn't serve thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous, the righteous into life eternal. The teaching of Jesus there is pretty self-explanatory. He's coming back someday, and when he does... He's going to separate the sheep from the goats. Do you notice how he described the sheep? Those who fed the hungry, gave drink to the thirsty, visited the sick, provided clothing for those who didn't have any. You know what that sounds a whole lot like? Sounds a whole lot like Stephanus and people who've addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, doesn't it? Another good reason for us tonight to commit ourselves and devote ourselves to being more like Stephanus, more like his family. Let's all go away from here tonight with a good, godly, and righteous addiction. I try to make addicts everywhere I go and preach this sermon. Let's all go away from here with a good, godly, and righteous addiction. Let's addict ourselves to the ministry of the saints. You're already involved in this. I want to inspire you to do more and more and more as you continue to serve the Lord here in Plainview. God bless you for your attention to these things tonight. If you're here tonight and you haven't obeyed the gospel of Christ, we give you opportunity to obey the Lord. We give you opportunity to put into practice the, the many things we've studied about the gospel, the plan of salvation, and obedience to Christ. We give you opportunity to obey the gospel if you need to be baptized into Christ. If you're here tonight and you need the prayers of the church, maybe you haven't live, been living faithful to the Lord. 
If you need our help, you need our encouragement, you need our prayers, we're here to help and assist you with any spiritual problem that you might have. If we can assist you in any way, make it known by coming forward, having a seat on the front while we stand and while we sing.